0: two chapters of Scripture this morning, beginning in Leviticus 23, which has been, for the last several weeks, our text chapter. And then we're going to spend some time, a couple of books over, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy 8. We have spent the last few weeks studying the feasts of the Jewish year, and The general outline that we followed is we looked at why the feast was instituted and and how Israel celebrated the feast. And then we looked at how Jesus either did fulfill them or possibly will fulfill them when he returns the second time to this earth. And then we always tried to find some practical lessons that will help us implement principles into our lives that will enrich our walk with God. And this morning we come to the last of the feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles. Leviticus 23, verse 33. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days present food offerings to the Lord, and on the eighth day... Hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. In other words, in addition to all of the rituals that you're going through, these festivals, the seven festivals that he outlines in Leviticus 23, these are the Lord's appointed festivals. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you've gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest. The eighth day is also a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you're to take branches from luxuriant trees, palms and willows and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, celebrated in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. People think Airbnb is a new thing. No live in temporary shelters for seven days all native-born israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that i had the israelites live in temporary shelters when i brought them out of egypt i am the lord your god so moses announced to the israelites the appointed festivals of the lord so as you read this you you can see what this feast commemorates It commemorates the time that Israel wandered in the wilderness, living in tents or tabernacles, a temporary shelter. And the main purpose of this seven-day-long feast was to remind them, as he says in verse 33, that I brought you out of Egypt. Frequently, you hear the Lord telling them, don't you think you had anything to do with this? I am the one. That brought you out of Egypt. And this was an interesting feast. It was one of those pilgrimage feasts. There were three of the feasts that were pilgrimage feasts. That meant that every male, 13 and older, had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And so what would happen is the city of Jerusalem is overflowing with people coming in to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was a very joyous celebration. Last week, we looked at the Day of Atonement, which is the most serious of the days. The Feast of Tabernacles is one of the most joyous of the days. And by New Testament times, this had really become a thing. Uh, Here in Augusta, it would be like, you know, everybody getting their houses ready to rent for Master's Week. Um, In Jerusalem people would build tents of palm leaves and you know he talks about all these luxuriant trees palms and willows and and they would build temporary shelters all up and down the the streets on their rooftops because you know the roofs were flat and in their courtyards and in their gardens and everywhere there was a space they built a tabernacle or a tent a temporary dwelling place and god said live in those for seven weeks or for seven days. So, you know, move out of your house and move into this tent that you built, this little lean-to shelter that you're building for a week to remind you of what your ancestors went through when they lived in the wilderness and they lived in tents. By the time of Jesus, three other, well, two other celebrations were incorporated into the Feast of Tabernacles. One was called the water pouring celebration. Guess what they did? (laughs) They poured water. (laughs) What happened was the priest would take a large golden pitcher from the temple and they would go down to the pool of Siloam and fill it with water. And the people would gather and go with them. From the Temple Mount down to the Pool of Siloam, he would draw that, put that bucket in and, and draw out uh, the, the water, and then they would go back up to the temple. And the people are following, and they're cheering, and they're rejoicing, and they're celebrating, and priests blew trumpets, and they poured out that water as a sacrifice to God and as a prayer for rain. The second celebration they added to Tabernacles was the Temple Lighting Ceremony. There were four huge candlesticks in what was called the Court of the Women, and they filled them with seven and a half gallons of pure oil, and they lit it using the worn out liturgical garments from the priests. They used those as the wicks and they would light those four gigantic candlesticks. And someone from that day said, the light emanating from the four candelabra was so bright that the Mishnah says there was no courtyard in Jerusalem that was not lit up with the light. So there was just light everywhere from these candelabra in, in the temple court. And even the, the members of the Sanhedrin and the, the, the ritual rigid old men where it would dance and sing and celebrate the light. And it celebrated the light of God's truth. And then during the Middle Ages, they added a ninth day to the Feast of Tabernacles that was called the rejoicing of the law. And they used that day rejoicing and celebrating the Torah. And they would read the beginning of Genesis and the end of Deuteronomy uh, as part of that celebration. And when I when I read it, it hit me. Those are three pretty significant things for us today to celebrate. The joy of salvation. Because as they were going back up the Temple Mount with that golden pitcher of water, they were chanting Isaiah 12.3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So that was a celebration of their salvation. We need to celebrate our salvation every once in a while. You know, don't ever get jaded about the fact that your sins are forgiven. Don't ever lose the joy of your salvation. Now, sometimes we kind of have to pray with David, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. But we need to celebrate the joy of our salvation. We need to celebrate the light of God's truth. Aren't you glad for his truth? And his truth endures forever. We ought to celebrate that in the midst of all of the chaos and lies and distortions of our society, God's word is truth. And then celebrating God's law. That that we have his law that he tells us how to live. He gives us direction on how to have a good marriage and how to be happy at work and, and you know, how to give get relationships and how to pay your bill. I mean, God's word, his law gives us so much insight. How long has it been in your life since you celebrated those things? That you're saved, that your sins are forgiven, that God's light... Has shined into your life that God's law is perfect now since this celebration commemorated the years the children of Israel spent in the wilderness I want us to think for a little bit about the wilderness they spent 40 years as you know wandering in the wilderness you may remember the story Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land. The children of Israel are at a place called Cadiz Barnea. They're getting ready to cross over the Jordan River and go to the promised land where God told them to go. You may remember 10 of those spies came back and said, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, oh, yes, we can. But not for the first time. The majority was wrong. (laughs) And the children of Israel bought into the disbelief Of the ten spies and rebelled and said we are not going to go into that promised land in direct disobedience to what God told them to do you can read about this in the book of Numbers chapters 13 and 14 and so God said to them because of your disobedience everybody 20 years of age and above except for Joshua and Caleb would die in that wilderness and that their children Would be the one to inherit the promised land. Now, you know, we're familiar with that and we kind of read and say, okay, 40 years. Think about that 40 years wandering in the wilderness, living in tents, people dying, babies being born, children growing into adulthood. I mean, 40 years out in the wilderness. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 4, God reminded them they didn't know because they hadn't lived it, but their ancestors had, that your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. I don't know that I can walk a block without my feet swelling. (laughs) And I know my clothes wear out. I was thinking about that and uh, I I was reminded of the first church we pastored. I... uh, work closely with one of the funeral directors in town. He would call me when, you know, the family didn't have anybody to do a service for him. And, and um, that's back when I was wearing suits, you know. And, and the thing about suits, if you fluctuate in your weight, is that it's cheaper to get your suit altered than it is to buy a new one. And the, the funeral home had a, a lady that did all of their alterations and things for them. And, and he put me in touch with her. And uh, she did great, great work. And it got to the point where I would call and she'd say, okay, Reverend Wilson, this time are we letting them out or are we taking them up? You <laughs> know, Because it was going to be one or the other. So uh, I, I imagine those clothes during those 40 years, you know, went through some shrinking and some expanding. And the Jewish tradition says that their clothes just grew along with them. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? But anyway... <laughs> He said in those 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't swell. So go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to talk to you about, just briefly, I, after I got into this, I, man, I need to preach a whole sermon on this, but I'm not going to do it yet. I may do it at some point in, in the far distant future. But the lessons for the wilderness, because let me just preface this by saying, what does this have to do with us? We all have wilderness times in our lives. We have wilderness experiences. Um, it's that period of time that's that's kind of dry. You, you feel like your, your prayers didn't even get to the ceiling. It's like nothing is working, and it's barren, and it's deserted, and you'd give anything to be able to get out of it. I, I, I had a lady in, in our church one time say, I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me through all this stuff I'm going through, but I've been praying that he would let me learn that lesson quickly because I need to get out of this mess. You know, that's a wilderness where it's like, God, you got to get me out of here. Okay, so there's some lessons that you learn in the wilderness. The children of Israel learned them in their literal wilderness. We can learn them in our emotional, spiritual wilderness time. The first lesson is that God will protect you. He says in verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way those 40 years. And in verse 15, he talks about leading you through vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. Now you know, we, we you remember about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire? Part of that was direction, because when the cloud moved, the children of Israel moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. But it was also protection, (coughs) protection from their enemies and protection from the wild animals around. So when you're in the wilderness, in the midst of frightening times, remember God will protect you. God will provide for you. Sometimes he does that in interesting ways. Uh, We mentioned verse 4. Your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't swell. And in verses 15 and 16, he talks about the venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. Somebody said refreshing can come out of hard places. You know, He gave you water from a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. God will provide for you when you're in the wilderness, but often his provision comes in unexpected and unusual ways. When you're in the wilderness, it seems that God works a little differently in our lives. And, you know, we're not used to water from a rock, but you don't need it unless that's the only place God can get water from. And and manna from heaven. And by the way, manna uh, is a word that they used in, in that Time period that meant what is it? Because like I said, they come out and there's man on there. "What is it?" Uh, you ever had God provide for you in one of those kind of ways? What is this? You know, but but God will provide for you sometimes in unusual ways. Learn this in the wilderness, though, that if you disobey Him, well, you're in the wilderness, and that's the temptation. That's why the devil. You remember, the Bible says that. Jesus went into the wilderness for that period of temptation before his public ministry. The wilderness is always a time of temptation. The the devil always uses those times to come at us. He did. in Jesus, he does it for you and me. And if we disobey, disaster follows. Verse 19, we're in Deuteronomy 8. If you ever forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today, you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, you'll be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. But, if you stay obedient, if you obey him through the wilderness, the promised land will come. If you obey him, the promised land will follow. Stay obedient in the wilderness verse six observe the commands of the lord your god walking in obedience and revering him for the lord your god is bringing you into a good land and the first verse be careful to follow every command i give you today so that you may live and increase and enter and possess the land the lord promised if you obey him if you stay true to him in the wilderness seasons of life, the promised land follows. So I just encourage you, if you're kind of going through a wilderness time, spend some time in Deuteronomy chapter 8. There's some tremendous insight there that I believe is applicable to us. Now, beyond remembering that the wilderness journeys of the Feast of Tabernacles, this feast for us on this side of Calvary is a reminder of of the fact that the Almighty came down from heaven to live in a tabernacle or a tent of human flesh as one of us. I was not aware of this until I was working on this study, but scholars believe that Jesus was born during that time of the Feast of Tabernacles. They come up with that, and I'm not going to get into all the details. You can search it for yourself. They, they cite the time of when Elizabeth got pregnant, where the shepherds were with their flocks, and some of the terminology that the angels used to announce the birth of Jesus. And they believe that it's quite possible that Jesus was born during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Makes sense, since the, one of the scriptures talks about the word became flesh and dwelt, that word could be translated tabernacled, among us the allusion back to the Feast of Tabernacles. You may remember Jesus attending a feast that John talks about in John chapter 7. Hopefully you remember from a few minutes ago the water pouring ceremony where they poured the water out. It was at the Feast of Tabernacles, John chapter 7, verses 37, 38, and 39, where Jesus stood up and he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Remember the temple lighting ceremony. In John chapter 8, many believe that Jesus is still at the Feast of Tabernacles when he steps out into this courtyard. Or these candelabra are burning brightly. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. It just brings an added dimension to those celebrations on the Feast of Tabernacles. For Jesus to use those events to say, the water you're celebrating, the joy of salvation, that's for me. The light that you're celebrating, that's me. I'm the light of the world. But there is still to be a future prophetic fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. It will happen in the millennium when Jesus comes back and lives again on this earth. Revelation 21.3 I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place, or literally the tabernacle, of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people God himself will be with them and be their God you remember in Acts chapter 1 the ascension the angel said to the disciples the same Jesus is going to come back in the same manner you saw him leave and in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 16 it says that during the millennium when Jesus is back on this earth in Jerusalem all of the nations will gather at Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles because it will be prophetically fulfilled that he himself is with us. But before we get to the millennium, you do realize, right, that you and I can live with the very presence of God in our lives. We don't have to wait to the millennium to know Christ with us. If I were to ask you, where is God in your life right now, how would you respond? Hopefully, you're aware of his presence with you. In John chapter 1, we alluded to this a few minutes ago, John uses the language of tabernacles when he says, the Word, Christ, became flesh and dwelt tabernacled among us and john in first john he said we heard him with our own ears and we saw him with our own eyes we touched him with our hands he was really here they experienced the tabernacle of god being with them through christ and remember that when jesus began to teach his disciples i'm going back to heaven." He said, I will send to you the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in John 14, 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We don't have to wait for the second coming to know that God is with us. As we obey him, that, that's an incredible promise. Jesus speaking, if you obey me, my father will love you and we will come to you and make our home with you. I know that home is not a positive concept for everybody. But one of the blessings of our lives is we love home. One, one of the f- greatest sounds is when all of our kids are together laughing and telling stories and sharing memories and cutting up. It's just wonderful. There's some Donna says that almost almost every time we're on any kind of a trip. I mean, like to North Augusta, you know. When we come back down to our road, she goes, oh, I always feel better coming down our road. I know we're almost home. There's something, hopefully, and if you don't have it, I pray that you will. And I'm not talking about a place. I'm talking about that spirit. That you understand that Jesus said, the Father and I will make our home with you. And that's incredible. When you get to your easy chair this afternoon, just look over there and imagine Jesus being there at home with you. Then you will understand why old timers love to sing and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. The promise of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, I will be your God, you will be my people. I pray for each of us, for those of you watching, for those of you here, that we will know the the truth of God tabernacling with us, God with us one of the most challenging parts of sermon preparation one is what to preach the other is how to end it (laughs) I was thinking about this and I thought and and I, I believe it was the Lord you need to close by talking to the people who are in the wilderness Because eventually, you know, you're either going to be in the wilderness or you just came out of it or you're heading to it. You know, there are wilderness times of life. And maybe it's somebody in the room, maybe it's somebody, maybe it's you watching. This is the end of November 2022, but you may be watching a year from now or six months from now or hours or weeks from now, and maybe you're in the wilderness. Let's think back on those lessons. God will provide for you. He will protect you. Stay obedient to him. And the promised land comes. And there's a, there's a gospel. It's basically a bluegrass group called the Isaacs. If you like bluegrass music, you will like them. They've got great family harmony. Um, I prefer their not-so-bluegrass style, but you know maybe bluegrass is your thing. But the first time I heard them do this song, they wrote it in the midst of the or the the depths of the lockdown and the pandemic and and it harkens back to what the feast of tabernacle talks about the children of israel in the wilderness and then making that application that sometimes we're in the wilderness and so they can sing it better than i can say it the link will be in the comment or description section please it's like four minutes and ten seconds long Please follow that link and listen to this song. I think it'll be helpful to you. I think it'll be helpful to us in the room. A song for the wilderness. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Now and evermore. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. God bless you.